And even when I did find personal development content that was written by women or even mothers, it just felt like the same old tired advice, but just in pink. And I had an issue with that. It wasn't practical. I couldn't apply it to my life. Hey, I'm Mia Hemstad. I'm a wife, I'm a mom of two kids, and I'm a trauma-informed self-care coach. I also live with diagnosed PTSD and depression. I started sharing my mental wellness journey online in 2017 when I was diagnosed with postpartum depression and anxiety. And since then, I've heard from hundreds of women who all struggle with the same thing, putting ourselves last. This is a struggle that's keeping so many women burned out and unhappy, through no fault of our own, by the way. I've been working on my own healing as an abuse survivor since 2013. But when I became a mom, I really started to do the inner work of figuring out why I was putting myself last and how to start prioritizing myself for the first time in my life. This podcast is about sharing all of those lessons with you. So if you're interested in hearing honest stories, life advice, and inspiration that encourages you to make your health, happiness, and well-being a priority, then definitely stick around. Welcome to your No Longer Last journey. Hey everybody, welcome back to the No Longer Last Journey podcast. I'm your host, Mia Hemstad, and I'm so excited to be back with you today. Um, You might have noticed I took a little bit of a break. My husband and I were taking turns traveling to Lisbon. We live in Portugal right now. Uh, For government appointments, we each had our different government appointments, and I'm so glad that that's over. I just feel so relieved. So I'm back with another episode this week and I'm just really pumped about this one because it's all about how to build self-care rituals alongside the demands of your everyday life. Um, If you follow me on Instagram, I regularly post uh, my morning yoga ritual and just different things that I do for my self-care and I've been doing that for several years now. And when I asked people, I did a poll and I said, are you curious about how to build self-care rituals in your life? Do you need help with that? It was like 90% of people who responded said yes. And it made me realize that something I've become so accustomed to not that long ago, I used to really struggle with this. And so I'm excited to just break this down today um, because regardless of who you are, or what your situation in life is, we all need supportive rituals in our life to help us take care of ourselves. So... You know, right now, my self-care rituals are really automatic and they're, I don't have to think too much about them. They're they're very easy to do. They're kind of non-negotiables in my life, um, but it's taken me many years to get here and seriously, there was a time when I thought it would never be possible to have any sort of habits or practices in my life that I did on a regular basis um, and If you knew me as a child, you would think that that's weird because I used to be a very structured, organized kid who had a lot of like big goals in my life and I was very like organized and methodical, um, which is why I had a complete identity crisis as one does when I became a mom. And I remember when I was pregnant, I think I was like six or seven months pregnant and I was driving home from my corporate job in my tiny beaten up. Toyota Echo, and this was back in 2016. And I was listening to a personal development CD, you know, a self-help CD that's supposed to, you know, it was interviewing an expert and telling you like how to improve your life, you know, back when self-help was all about optimizing yourself and treating yourself like a project instead of a person and all these things, right, that hopefully 
most of us have done away with. But I used to listen to this CD back in high school and it really helped me to, you know, work on getting to college and all the work I had to do to get to college. And so I was like, you know, maybe listening to this CD will help me because throughout my pregnancy, I was just really struggling with having any sense of direction. And I know a lot of people might think, well, Mia, you were pregnant. All you needed to focus on was having that baby, but I couldn't even, I wasn't mature enough to acknowledge that. I got pregnant uh, outside of my plan and it was, I was really struggling with a lot of things emotionally and, you know, internally and externally. That'll be another podcast, I think. I can't go into that. But basically, having a goal and being able to work toward it was a big part of my identity. And I was losing that part of myself because I would try to wake up early and I would feel too nauseous or I would try to exercise and my pelvic floor couldn't do the exercises I was used to doing because I was carrying a human inside of me that was almost full term, you know, all of these things. And I remember listening to the CD, it's one dude interviewing another dude as it always was. And I parked my car and I just started crying. And I just felt like, you know that feeling when you just haven't been feeling like yourself and you try to go back to things you used to like to do or things that used to light you up and they just don't anymore? And you're like, oh my God, where do I go now? (laughs) I was having one of those moments. And I just cried and I cried. And in that moment, I realized, well, now I have the vocabulary to describe it. But to describe it now, I basically felt abandoned by the personal development space once I became pregnant. It was like, oh, you're a mom. There's no, there's nothing for you here. There's no content here for you. (laughs) You know, there's no inspiration here for you. There's no hope for you. You don't get to have goals. You don't get to have dreams. You don't get to have ambition. You don't get to have plans. And even though we know now that there's a lot of women who are mothers who are out there building businesses and doing amazing things in those realms, which by the way, you know, even if you're not in those realms, you're still doing incredible things at home if that's how you choose to show up in the world, they weren't really given much press or much time on air. So it was really hard, even just back in 2016, to find that kind of content and inspiration. And even when I did find personal development content that was written by women or even mothers, it just felt like the same old tired advice, but just in pink. And I had an issue with that. It wasn't practical. I couldn't apply it to my life. You know, the wake up at 5 a.m. and work out for one hour and, you know, do all of these rituals before six and get to work by eight and work for uninterrupted. It's like, it's like. I'm sorry, did, did you not pee eight times last night because you have a baby pushing on your bladder at all times? Like, I'm sorry, did you not like breastfeed eight times like just in the one night that you were trying to sleep? I don't have energy to have a three hour uninterrupted work session. Like these men who are writing these books, of course, couldn't write for us. And so what I'm hoping to do today is show you how I went from feeling completely lost and abandoned by the personal development space and showing you how I kind of pivoted to create a path that honored being a woman and being a mother. And on top of that, being a person with neurodivergent, with a neurodivergent brain. So another thing, you know, when I became a mom and then I was diagnosed with postpartum depression and anxiety, um, 
you know, and I went through that whole journey and then I became a mom of another child and then I was diagnosed with PTSD and depression. Um, I, you know, the mental health challenges were getting worse and worse and worse. And I started to learn about, well, I, it was a slow process, but I started to basically embrace that my brain doesn't function like other people because of the trauma I have gone through and the way that my brain now operates as a result of that trauma. And so I really was like, even the books that were coming out that seemed helpful, like I used to be a huge Rachel Hollis fan and no disrespect if you still are, but I just felt like nobody was really talking about, well, how do I build rituals if I have depression and can barely get out of bed or brush my teeth? How do I create, you know, how do I work, um, you know, when I struggle when my kids distract me? while I'm trying to work or I struggle with attention and, and, you know, managing my time, you know, how do I take care of myself on a regular basis when depending on how bad my anxiety is, I might barely be able to breathe. I knew that I needed to start filling that gap. I needed to start filling that gap for myself because there wasn't enough information out there about how to live I'm not talking about building giant, you know, businesses or how, like becoming an Olympic athlete. I'm just talking like, how do I just take care of myself as a stay-at-home mom who has a side hustle and, you know, doesn't want to like burn out and have a mental breakdown every couple of weeks? How do I do that? And that is the work that I have been doing on myself since I would say 2019. And I was diagnosed with PTSD and depression. I had had many mental health breakdowns. Honestly, really wanted to go to a psych ward because I was that in much in pain, um, but couldn't afford it because American health insurance. <laughs> and I was like, okay, we got to figure out how to do this. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I'm going to give you some really concrete advice as to how you can start building sustainable supportive self-care self-care rituals in your life um when we come back from the break so we'll be right back did you know i send a weekly letter it's called the no longer last weekly letter and it's a super helpful resource you can get for free where i share journal prompts mental health resources encouragement and updates about new podcast episodes youtube videos and new products and offerings People who sign up for my weekly letter also get special promotions and offers I don't share anywhere else. If you want a free weekly resource to help you make your health, happiness, and well-being a priority, then definitely sign up for the No Longer Last weekly letter. Go to miahemstad.com forward slash letter to sign up today. I'll also link to this in the show notes. All right, so how can you start you know, if you resonated with what I was saying, you know, you're neurodivergent, you struggle with low energy, you have anxiety, maybe you have bipolar, you have kids that are interrupting you, you have a lot of responsibilities, you have a demanding life. How do you start to take care of yourself and create rituals that can support you through the hard things? Because one thing I love to remind everybody who follows me is that self-care does not solve your problems, but it helps you to deal with life's challenges from a place of strength instead of depletion. So I like to look at self-care as something that, you know, nourishes me, that fills back, fills me back up because life's challenges they take, right? 
And self-care is how I give back to myself so that I can come back the next day from a place of strength, from a place of energy. Um, And that's what self-care does. So I want to help you do that. So the first thing that I, you know, I talked about this in episode two. So if you want to deep dive, go there. But the first thing is using the 4B self-care framework. And this is the framework that I created back in 2020, early 2020, right after I got my diagnosis of PTSD and depression. And I was so overwhelmed at the idea of self-care. I was a full-time caregiver of my brother who has autism and a severe autoimmune disease. My little one, Ellie, at the time was, how old was she? Like four or five months old still fully full-time breastfeeding and my son was a little over two. So I was just spread super thin. And when my therapist was like, you need to have self-care, I was like, what the heck? This woman doesn't know anything. (laughs) She was like, what is she talking about? Now she's like my favorite person. But I was just like, you're kidding me, right? And I kid you not, it was like a moment of divine inspiration when these four Bs came to mind. And it was basic, boring, brilliant, and bougie. Those are the four Bs of self-care. And again, if you want me to, you know, go into detail on that, episode two covers all of that. You can also get a gorgeous, you know, I'm biased, I designed it, but a gorgeous ebook version of the 4B self-care framework along with a printable like planner where you can set your self-care intentions. But basically these four types of self-care cover all the self-care you need from a holistic standpoint. And I loved using this as as a starting place for building rituals because Um, I tend to be, I'm a recovering perfectionist and I tend to fixate on one area of my life over others and then things get out of balance really quickly. And so what I loved about this was like, it combated like my tendency to go all in on one area in an unhealthy way and it helped me to constantly check in with all four Bs. So basic self-care, you know, that involves sleep, eating well, hydration, hygiene, hygiene, movement. Then there's boring self-care, which is any task that I'm avoiding, whether it's decluttering, checking my bank statements, paying bills, finding a new psychiatrist, boring things like that. Um, Brilliant self-care, which is nourishing my soul. Am I connecting with friends? Am I, you know, doing things that light me up? Like actually taking the time to watch that Oscar-nominated two-and-a-half-hour film. (laughs) That's a treat for me, you know? And then bougie self-care, you know, am I allowing myself to have simple luxuries in my life? Or am I allowing myself to have ease in my life? Like, you know, let me think of a bougie example. I would say just like when I treat myself to eating out because that's something that is, you know, um, that feels bougie to me at this at this stage in my life. And, you know, a couple of weeks ago I went and got sushi and it was fantastic. So am I taking care of all these areas? And I love this because, you know, I grew up with a lot of money trauma. So I tend to avoid um, things that, that involve spending money. So I'm really good at basic self-care, but if you ask me to like, you know, Hey Mia, like, have you found a new therapist? I'm like, Oh, that's hard. (laughs) You know, Mia, like, have you figured out if you're going to like go hang out with your friend and like go get on the train and visit them? It's like, Oh, you know, so checking in with these four areas really helps me to keep chipping away at that trauma, keep like allowing it to come to the surface and heal and process and release it because I have to kind of, I know that all four areas are important. 
Um, you know, and, and again, like we're mental, physical, and spiritual beings. Like we can't just tend to only the mental or only the physical or only the spiritual. So this framework helps you to do all of those things. Um, and so I just highly recommend that you start with that. Um, the ebook has a deep dive. It has, gives you ideas of how to practice the types of self-care and a, it also has this, um, I think it's a 30 day, I keep saying 90 day. No, it's a 30 day, um, like celebrate your progress printable where you can like, maybe you're trying to drink more water and for 30 days, you kind of write down your progress each day for those 30 days. So if you want to grab that, there's a link in the show notes. Um, but also go to episode two, if you want to listen to it, whatever you want to do. The next things I want to share with you about how to build these self-care rituals is three solid tips. Like I could go on forever and I actually do have a class called habit change strategies that actually work. And that's available in my program, the no longer last journey, which you can always find linked in the show notes. But if I were to give you like just three, just three tips that have helped me and I've seen help my clients build supportive rituals in their life, these are it. So number one, I want you to practice honoring the season you're in by making the ritual that you want to have in your life as easy and as simple as possible. Easy and simple. And it needs to honor the season you're in. So when I had a full-time breastfeeding baby, the way that I showed up for intentional movement every day was very different than the way I show up for intentional movement now that my kids are three and five. You know, walking them to the playground in the stroller was my intentional movement. And then eventually as they got older and could eat physical food and I wasn't actually having to breastfeed all the time, I was able to start squeezing in yoga and short bursts of cardio. Um, And then I went through a really intense season of depression from last November to early early this year. And it took away all my energy and I went from doing like 20 minutes of exercise a day and now I'm back to doing 10 minutes of yoga. And I don't feel like that's a demotion in any way. You know, I know now without a doubt that, you know, some people might think, oh, I used to be able, you know, romanticize their past. I used to be able to do this. I used to be able to do that. I know that good supportive rituals honor the season you're in at all times. They're not supposed to, you know, be something you're constantly aspiring to, like unless you're going to be an athlete, I guess, but we're not talking about that here. We're talking about taking care of you. So honor the season you're in, make things as easy and as simple as possible. So for example, now 10 minutes of yoga a day is my sweet spot. I just After I eat breakfast, I unroll my mat, I go on YouTube, I click 10 minutes of yoga or type that in and I usually go with yoga yoga with Cassandra. She's my favorite, not sponsored, not affiliated. She has wonderful, so many wonderful 10 minute yoga routines on there. I do my yoga and that's like a routine I don't even have to think about anymore. It really helps me center before the day starts. Um, Another thing that helps me make habits or makes this ritual of drinking water, for example, simple and easy to do is I spent $50 on a water bottle, which is wild, but it's a 32 ounce steel, stainless steel water bottle with a straw. And I realized I wasn't drinking enough water because I don't like to have to refill my water multiple times a day. I don't like when a water bottle gets everything in your bag wet. So I would like, if I took the kids outside, for instance, and I needed to like pack a backpack or a diaper bag, I wouldn't bring my water bottle because it would get everything wet. Um, and I also realized I prefer to drink water with a straw. So I found a bottle that solved all those problems. It was $50, but it was $50 
as an investment in my well-being because when I drink enough water, I have more energy, I don't get dehydration headaches. Simple and easy to do, right? And then another example is I meditate almost every single day. And some people are like, how on earth do you do that? Well, I have been practicing for four years and trying different things. And for me, I stopped trying to meditate like in complete silence. Like that wasn't working for me. My brain has racing thoughts, especially when I'm not on my medication. So I decided to only do guided meditations. So meditations where I download them on Audible and I literally just um, click play and I just close my eyes and I do my best to listen to the guide that kind of um, guides me through a breathing exercise, maybe some affirmations, helping me to be present with myself. And why not? Why not make meditation as easy and simple as possible? Why do we have to always go for the hardest habit possible? You know, for for instance, like let's say you're trying to drink water, you don't even drink any water, um, you're not a water drinker, don't make your goal like a gallon of water a day. I don't care what the influencers are saying. I don't care what the studies are saying. Like if you, if 60, you're trying to go from zero to 64 ounces, you're just setting yourself up for disappointment. So always, always, always honor the season you're in, make things simple and easy. The second thing that is a fail-safe, you know, tip is make your habit enjoyable. If the ritual or habit you want to practice is not enjoyable, you are not going to do it. You know, I call this brain hacking in the best way because when we like something, when we experience pleasure while doing something, our brain releases dopamine, which is a chemical, a hormone that our brain wants more of. So I try to use that in my favor. So for example, this can, you know, come with like eating veggies. I'm trying to eat more greens because there's just so many health benefits to greens, but I absolutely hate eating raw vegetables, particularly raw leaves like spinach or arugula. I don't know. It's like a weird texture thing for me. And so I, you know, went from forcing myself to eat a salad every day because again, I struggle with the all or nothing perfectionistic mentality. And now I only eat a salad like once a week and I try to make sure it has a dressing that's like really creamy, usually yogurt based because it kind of masks the texture of the leaves that I don't like and helps to make it enjoyable. Another example is I used to try to make myself do Pilates and HIIT workouts because, I don't know, past me used to do those, but present me hates those. So why was I forcing myself to do these exercises? It just made me hate moving my body. It made me dread exercising. And now I only do exercises I like, either dance, cardio workouts, or yoga. That's it. Just letting myself choose what I like has been working in my favor and now I don't dread moving my body. If anything, it's like a sanctuary for me because I know I'm gonna feel so much better after I do it. This, another example I wanna share with you and it's kind of silly. Um, when I struggled with my first major like bout of depression after I had my son, I really struggled to brush my teeth, especially at night. And I shared this one time, I think in a YouTube video from a long time ago, and I got so many messages from people who also shared that they struggled to brush their teeth. And one thing I gave myself permission to do was instead of buying the super cheap $2 toothbrush from Walmart, I allowed myself to buy an electric toothbrush for the first time in my life. And it felt like such a big girl purchase. And it made brushing my teeth feel luxurious and feel so enjoyable. I loved brushing my teeth with an electric toothbrush. And so I just think when you look at the practices that you want to bring into your life, you're like, oh, I wish I had a ritual of just like doing yoga every day. I wish I 
journaled every day, I wish I was better at brushing and flossing my teeth, I want you to ask yourself, how can I make this more enjoyable? Because when you make things more enjoyable, you will re- your brain will release dopamine and you'll be using your horm- that pleasure hormone in your favor. So make it enjoyable and just honestly, it's such an underrated tip, but I'm telling you, it's going to change the game. And the last tip I wanted to share is figure out what your cornerstone ritual is and focus on building that one first. So a mistake I used to make year after year after year was trying to to trying to implement like six habits at once. <sighs> oh my gosh, like the number of habits I would put on the list and then the number like how I would plug it into the timetable like from 6 to 6:30 you're going to exercise from 6:30 to 7 you're going to shower and from 7:30 to it was like newsflash it didn't work. So I have this approach that helps you to still get those rituals, like all the ones that you want built up, but helps you to work with your brain and focus on just one at a time. So identify what that cornerstone habit is that's going to create a domino effect and lead to all the other ones happening over time. For me, that is moving my body. When I move my body, when I exercise, when I focus on making that like the one I'm working on, the ritual I'm working toward, I am more likely to get in the shower after moving my body, like 9.5 times out of 10. I'm like, okay, I got a little bit sweaty or I've moved my body. I've woken up a little bit. I'm ready to shower. After I shower, I'm more likely to do my hair, which is an energy boost for me. I get more energy when my hair is done. I'm more likely to do my skincare, right? Because I'm in the shower, I'm washing my face. And then that leads me to putting on some nicer clothes and getting out of my pajamas, which encourages me to get in front of the camera and get some work done or I just feel more, I feel good about myself. So I'm more likely to FaceTime a friend, which is really nice and, you know, good for the soul or whatever it is. Or I'm more likely to take my kids out to the playground, you know, without delay when I feel good and refreshed. Um, Another thing that exercise does for me is it encourages me to actually eat a full meal because I feel hungrier. But when I don't exercise, sometimes I can convince myself that a small snack is fine and then I try to just like get into work quickly and then my brain's not functioning and I don't know why and I'm working against this brain that's not working and it's because I'm hungry. So do you see how by focusing only on the practice of exercise or as I like to call it, intentional movement, it encourages me to do all these other rituals that help me to feel so good and taken care of. And it leads to me approaching the end of the day feeling very satisfied with the way that I showed up. And does this happen every day? No, absolutely not. Um, I have days where I didn't sleep well the night before because of nightmares and I spend most of it on the couch. I get the bare minimum done for my work and I make sure I eat three meals and that's it. And I'm proud of those days too because I'm working with what I've got. But that's my third tip for you is figure out what that cornerstone ritual is and focus on building that one up first. All right, we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, I have one last thing I wanna share with you. Have you ever gotten a little time to take care of yourself, and then you're instantly overwhelmed with what the heck you should do first? Yeah, I used to feel that way too. I call that self-care overwhelm, which leads to decision fatigue and results in you not taking care of yourself in the way that you really need to feel nourished and filled up. This used to be a constant problem for me back when I had my second baby, and that's when I created the 4B self-care framework to help my exhausted mom brain 
figure out what I needed to do to take care of myself with the small pockets of time and energy that I had. In this framework, there are four types of self-care, basic, boring, brilliant, and bougie. In my new mini course, I teach you about these four types of self-care, I show you how to prioritize, and I give you a printable to plan out your self-care over a 30-day period to help you go on your own journey of self-discovery to figure out what you really need to feel healthy, happy, and taken care of. You can get this mini course completely for free on my website at miahemstad.com forward slash course. I'll have it linked in the show notes as well. All right, welcome back. Um, The last thing I wanted to share with you is to please be flexible with yourself. The one thing that I think, you know, harms people's ability to build sustainable rituals in their life are, is just kind of like the self-criticism and the self-blame that comes up when you're not able to do something perfectly. And usually you're not able to carry out a habit or an intention or a practice or a ritual, whatever you want to call it. Usually you're struggling to do that because the plan you set for yourself was maybe unrealistic and that's not a bad thing. That doesn't mean you're dumb or something. It just means you tried something and it didn't work. And that's okay. That's a part of the process. Like expect your plan to have to be tweaked. Expect yourself to have to be flexible with the process of learning how to build these rituals in your life. And remember that self-care, it's supposed to support you, not the other way around. The habit, the practice exists to help you. You don't exist to serve the habit. And that's one thing I think people don't realize. I remember I used to feel so bad about myself when I would be like, okay, for 30 days, I'm going to do 20 minutes of HIIT workouts, you know, for 30 days. And then day one, day two, day three, day four, like it's it's not happening and I'm feeling worse and worse and worse. And then I just put it out of my head because it makes me feel so bad. That means that the plan was broken. It doesn't mean that you're broken. It means you created a plan that didn't honor where you are. That happens. So be flexible with that. Remember that the purpose of rituals is to serve you, to help you live a life where you feel loved, taken care of, fulfilled, a life where you can thrive because you're not exhausted and unhealthy and unsupported. So that's my final thought for you is be flexible. And when things aren't working, change the plan. The plan is the what needs to be changed. You're not the broken one. You're not the one who, you know, needs to be fixed. So that's all I have for you this week. I hope you found this episode helpful. If you want to chat with me more or you want to share what resonated with you about this episode, you can always find me on Instagram at miahemstad. My DMs are always open. And I want to thank you for taking the time to hear me out and join me for this episode. I will see you next week. Bye.